As the number of COVID-19 cases grows, so too does a crucial need to understand the disease. With public health officials scrambling to stay ahead of its mutations and patterns of spread, researchers are doing everything possible to learn from the virus and stop the next COVID-19 from making the leap from animals to humans. From the vet detectives scouring the globe to prevent the next COVID-19, to the scientists at NASA trying to better understand the psychological effects of the pandemic, some of the most important information gleaned comes from the narratives playing out just below the radar. Tackling the physical, mental, and physiological effects one challenge at a time, rarely have scientists around the world been so united and laser-focused on one single problem. In the end, it will be science that gets us through the COVID-19 pandemic, teaching us valuable lessons along the way. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the scientists and health workers who predict, prevent, and contain the world's staggering number of zoonotic diseases, like the next COVID-19. Hoping to create a pandemic-free future, these veterinary epidemiologists roam animal habitats, markets, forests, and farms, learning how humans can prevent catching diseases from wild or domesticated animals. Our second story is about NASA's spaceflight simulation study that aims to get a better understanding of the psychological and physiological effects of isolation and confinement on humans. Inviting a small group of people to live together in seclusion for eight months in Russia, NASA says studies like these will teach us to combat the toll of isolation and ways to mitigate its psychological effects. This is The Abstract. A look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, meet the vet detectives searching for the next COVID-19. I got started in 2016. That was when I got my undergraduate degree from the University of Liberia. As a young professional person graduating from the university, seeing the need, there is so much need in the veterinary side, but there are hardly any scientists, even the very young professional people that are graduating from the universities, do not really know that there is this very important field. Their services, their expertise are so dearly needed. That was Solomon George. He's a veterinary surveillance officer at the Ministry of Agriculture in Liberia. And along with hundreds of other animal disease detectives around the world, he tracks and tries to contain zoonotic diseases, ones that spread between animals and humans. George is hunting for the next COVID-19, the coronavirus thought to have originated in bats. Each year, zoonotic diseases like anthrax and rabies cause one billion cases of illness and millions of deaths Combating zoonotic diseases requires a unified One Health approach that considers both human and animal needs. That's according to the experts. Melinda Rostow, a principal scientist at nonprofit EcoHealth Alliance, puts it this way. The value of One Health is the idea that human health, animal health, and environmental health are all interrelated. Working on these diseases that affect animals and people and oftentimes are driven by environmental factors. That sort of became sort of my mission as I kind of finished veterinary school and then went on and, and did my PhD in epidemiology. Also key here, nipping the disease in the bud. However, this preventative approach rarely occurs. Instead, outbreaks take place and health authorities take a fire brigade type of approach. David Castellan, a veterinarian at the Institute for Infectious Animal Diseases, 
tells Inverse this is the biggest problem when it comes to preventing the next COVID-19. It's also an awareness of do people, you know, do we really understand the causes of, of this? And I think this is the heart of this COVID issue that we're dealing with right now, this world pandemic. And it just goes to show you how um, not being mindful of potential risks and what we're doing is creating conditions that we're all having to deal with right now. Despite having resources that just aren't forthcoming enough to support the integrated, multi-level approach needed, vet detectives around the globe continue to map out zoonotic viral threats and build a global surveillance network. Here with more on how they somehow managed to get this job done and their prospects for finding the next COVID-19 is Inverse's Ali Patillo. Hey, Ali. Hey, Tanya. Thanks for having me. So first, can you explain just how easily these spillovers happen and how humans generally catch these types of diseases? Because it's easier than I think a lot of people would generally think. Yeah, well, I was reporting prior to this, I really knew very little about zoonotic diseases. It's estimated that every single year, zoonotic diseases like rabies, like anthrax, they cause a billion cases of illness and millions of deaths. People can catch zoonotic diseases by eating or drinking contaminated food, by touching or petting infected animals or their fluids, by interacting and touching kind of germ-filled areas where animals live, like a chicken coop or an aquarium, or even by being bitten by an animal or disease vector, like a tick or mosquito. And a lot of this transmission, of course, happens without anyone's kind of knowledge or intention. These things happen kind of sneakily. What these vet detectives keep saying is that we need to attack this at the source. You know, that makes a lot of sense as it does in most cases. What does that look like in action, though? What what would a day in the life look like? So vet detectives and animal health workers are kind of these underappreciated frontline workers. They're doing this extremely vital work to protect humans um, before these zoonotic diseases ever make the jump into the population. And the way they do that is by roaming animal habitats, animal markets where animals are sold, forests and farms. They're keeping tabs on wild or domesticated animals, sickness or death, and trying to figure out if any of the illness or disease will jump over and transmit into humans. So some days they're going into and surveying livestock. They're taking biological samples. They're sequencing viruses in the lab. And then because resources are so limited, they're trying to identify spillover hotspots or places where disease is likely to transmit into humans and then contain that before it happens. But again, they're operating um, with very limited budgets, very limited even feet on the ground, trying to do this monumental task. Right. And again, considering the limited resources, what do you like? How are vet detectives going about mapping out this ideal pandemic free future? Yeah, so they do really incredible work so far. They've mapped, you know, a, a global map of the world's um, spillover hotspots. They've identified communities that might be at risk. Um, but something that 
every single vet detective I spoke to stressed was that wildlife really hasn't been well studied as far as what pathogens or disease they carry or have. There hasn't been the intensive study on bats or rodents or primates to really, for us to have a detailed grip on what's even out there. So something that a lot of people are pushing for is this project called the Global Virome Project, which is a 10-year collaborative scientific initiative that would plan to discover and track about 70% of the world's zoonotic diseases. And in the scheme of things, this initiative actually costs relatively little. The global response to COVID-19 has surpassed $2 trillion. And this initiative, the Global Viron Project, would cost $1.2 billion US dollars. So it might be kind of this initial investment that could have huge, huge payoff. But I think the first step is really figuring out what's out there before you can contain it. This has been a longstanding issue. And, you know, if the problem fell on deaf ears before, maybe COVID-19 has perked some people's ears up. Is, is that the case? Do you see this as a moment for these vet detectives that they can seize upon to finally get that much needed help they need? Absolutely. I mean, if anything positive comes out of this horribly brutal COVID-19 pandemic, it's that these vital animal health workers get the attention and support they so desperately need. I mean, I'm a person who reports on health and science, and I had no idea these people or these jobs even existed. And what's important to know is that animal health workers, public health authorities, they know that it will happen again. Um, some predict that it could happen within the next decade. And this kind of work supporting animal vet detectives could be the difference between living in fear of this next outbreak and being prepared for it. So it's about rather than taking a reactionary approach after something like COVID-19 comes again, it's about taking a proactive approach to, to stop it before it reaches this scale that really brings the entire economy, the entire society to its knees. This was a really great piece. Listeners can get the full story at inverse.com. Allie, thanks as always. Thank you. To help NASA get a better understanding of the more physiological effects of isolation and confinement, researchers are recruiting participants for its next spaceflight simulation study. Their hope that what we learn from the COVID-19 pandemic can help prepare astronauts for the moon, Mars, and beyond. We are chartered uh, and our mission is to uh, enable space exploration beyond low Earth orbit using a focused program of basic applied and operational research uh, and the deliverables that we develop uh, are human health performance and habitability standards uh, and forming those standards for new missions that are unprecedented duration in, in deep space, uh, countermeasures and risk mitigation solutions and advanced habitability and medical support technology. Success of any human mission to Mars will hinge on the mission designer's ability to develop and implement such strategies. As program director Dr. William Pulaski explains in his talk about NASA's human research program, the omnipresent and reigning space nerd goal? Still Mars. Crucial to carving out the path to this goal? Human research. To help NASA get a better understanding of the psychological and physiological effects of isolation and confinement on humans, NASA's human research program wants to find the best methods and technologies to support safe, productive human space travel. So here's where all of those days in quarantine perfecting those borscht and beef stroganoff recipes come in and finally come in handy. 
NASA is inviting a small group of people to live together in isolation for a period of eight months in Moscow, Russia. As NASA prepares for longer duration missions to the moons and future missions to Mars, it also needs to prep its future astronauts for long periods of isolation during their outer space journey. Maybe it's time we return the favor. Since people around the world have been forced to stay at home to help stop the spread of coronavirus, NASA astronauts themselves have been weighing in with tips on how to combat the psychological toll self-isolation can take, as well as deal with the feelings of loneliness. Take former Canadian Space Agency astronaut Chris Hadfield, who's using his experience in astronaut quarantining to give his tips on how to survive self-isolation. They're pretty basic, but they work. Start doing things. They don't have to be the things that you always did before. Take care of family, start a new project, learn to play guitar, study another language, read a book, write, create. It's a chance to do something different that you've maybe not done before. And then repeat. If you think you're up for the challenge, you can apply to take part in the upcoming study online. If you still need a little bit more food for thought on this first, Inverse's Pesent Ribier joins us now with a little bit more. Hey, Pesent. Thanks for having me back. So for this simulation study, group of people live together in isolation for a period of several months in Moscow. How would this go? What would a day in the life be like if this, like, if we're opening up a NASA brochure here, what does this weird isolation vacation look like? <laughs> so it's basically simulating everything that you would do on a spacecraft, but you're you know, you're back on Earth, you don't have any of the views, obviously, and you're stuck in this facility where you're just kind of uh, simulating a space flight and you're surrounded by by a group of people. So you kind of pretend to be astronauts, which is kind of cool, but without the actual flight. And before everyone just uh, dives in and applies here, there's some pretty specific qualifications. If someone does want in, what do they have to show for it? Yeah, so you have to be between the ages of 30 to 55. Uh, you have to speak English and Russian because people on the on the International Space Station tends to, tend to, you know, speak English or Russian. And you have to have a master's degree in a field of science, a PhD or a medical degree, or have completed some kind of military officer training. So there's long been this existing interest in these types of experiments because studies like these are crucial to helping NASA in general better understand the effects of isolation, which is something that astronauts obviously deal with. Yeah, so it's interesting, actually, since the lockdown related to COVID-19 started, um, astronauts have been giving a lot of tips to people on just surviving isolation and how to deal with the feelings of loneliness that come with it. Most of them kind of agree, you know, you on the basic things like you have to give yourself a routine, you have to keep your mind active, engage yourself in, in different activities throughout the day so that you don't kind of get lost into feelings of isolation that we've all been kind of battling with for the past two months or so. They've actually talked about this, but I mean, it is, it definitely does take a toll on them as they admit it. And there's definitely a lot of like preparation that they need to go through ahead of, ahead of the isolation that they face. Do you think the current situation that we're in may have jump-started these types of experiments? I mean, a start to something greater in motion, perhaps? I think so, definitely, yeah, because there hasn't been... I mean, they, they've done studies on this before, but now they're thinking of like much longer time that astronauts will have to spend in isolation. So they need to kind of study the long-term effects it has as well. So I definitely see more of these studies popping up in the future. And also it's interesting because it kind of correlates to what's happening down on Earth too. Interesting stuff. For more on the story and 
more on how to apply, should you be so inclined, you can head to inverse.com. Pasen, thanks so much. Thank you. Head to inverse.com to read more about the latest science tracking COVID-19. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.